0: of his disciples today. The first is, who do people say I am? And the second is, who do you say I am? They're both important questions, but they are very different. And today, just like the kiddos did, we are going to try to answer them both. Now the first question, I kind of like that Jesus starts this way. He starts with the pollster question. You know what I mean? A question that tries to get the feel of a group of people, maybe their mood or their general public opinion about something. Current examples, we hear a lot about approval rating polls, right? Or maybe more palatable, what do you consider a cannot-miss food at the state fair? Corn on the cob, by the way, is the right answer. Um, So pollster Jesus comes along here and asks, out there, out in the public sphere, outside of this place right here, who do people out there say that I am? Now, Jesus does move to the middle. We'll get there. He comes to the inside. We'll get there in a minute. But he first looks outside that gathered group. Who do people think Jesus is? Now, I think our tendency now, when we try to answer this question, is to assume that we're responding in terms of Christians. Not the same right? We're not asking, who do people say Christians are? We're saying, who do people say Jesus is? And unfortunately, those two things can be very different as well. But we're going to get to it. So who do people out there say Jesus is? Does anybody want to be brave and throw out an answer? People out, not in this room, because we got a different answer, but people who maybe aren't churchgoers or who've left the church, who do they think Jesus is? A good guy. How many of you have heard that one? Jesus is just a good, just a good dude. Yeah, it's kind of somebody we should emulate. Anybody else? Prophet. Yeah, Jesus is just a prophet. An example. An example. Anyone else? Who do people out there say Jesus is? Those other people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this list and the, the list that the kids came up with and the list that we are making tells us something, right? It, it Just like a pollster question, this tells us something about the reputation of this Jesus guy out in the world. So if the people answer this question, if you were to go out and ask somebody off the street... Who do you think Jesus is? And they would say, well, he's a white, middle-class American, Then we've got some work to do, right? If people think Jesus is the Son of God, but they don't really know what that means, like they might be able to say, I think he's the Son of God, but I don't really know what that has to do with me or anything. That shows us something different, but also shows us we have work to do, right? If people say that he was just a guy that lived a long time ago, that kind of did some good stuff, that also tells us something. When the disciples first answer this question, they say, well, some say you're John the Baptist, and some say Elijah, and some say you're Jeremiah or another prophet. See, all of those answers, the ones that we make, the ones that the disciples make, are a little problematic because they don't quite give us the right answer. Jesus isn't really any of those things. He's all of those things, but not any of those things. And when we think of him as something other than the Son of God, we miss out. So Jesus hears these answers from the disciples, and he asks a different question. He kind of takes it a little more personal. He says, okay, then who do you say I am? Now the you that is used here is plural. He's asking his disciples... This question. He's not pointing at a specific one and making them answer for the whole class. He's asking all of the disciples, the insiders, the ones who've been with him this whole time. He asks them, Who do you think I am? Now, in case you're wondering, here's just a short list, not conclusive, of the whole, all the things Jesus has said and done in the presence of these disciples until this question is asked. He was baptized and called God's son. He gives a large sermon explaining all the ways that the kingdom of God is, uh, what they're like, what the kingdom of God is like. He heals a demon possessed man, a paralytic. A lady touches his cloak and becomes healed. He heals a blind man and also many others on their walk as they travel. He calms a storm. He raises a little girl from the dead. He gives another big sermon about what the kingdom of God is like, but explaining it in more detail. He feeds 5,000 people, he walks on water, he heals a foreign woman, and then he feeds 4,000 more people. Just that. So he turns to the guys who've watched all of this stuff happen, and he says, you should know the right answer to this question. Who do you think I am? And you can almost hear the crickets, right? I sort of picture that moment when the teacher asks the question and everybody like looks around like, don't pick me, don't pick me, don't pick me. And then we have Peter. Peter's been at the forefront of our gospel readings a lot lately. The last time we saw him walking across the water to Jesus and not doing such a great job of it, followed by Jesus picking him up out of the water as he was sinking and saying those four devastating words, you of little faith. So Peter, whose confidence I imagine is pretty shot at this point, gathers up the courage to respond on behalf of all of the disciples. Maybe he thinks, you know what? I got nothing to lose. He already told me I'm, I'm a little faith guy. So here we go. It can't be worse than stepping out and sinking, right? So, so here goes nothing. And he answers, "You are the Messiah." the son of the living God. And Jesus responds with a blessing. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. I tell you, you are Peter, and on you I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I mean, I don't know about you, but I do not think Peter saw that coming, right? When Peter answers Jesus' question, it wasn't the perfect correct response that garnered this blessing from jesus we might think that's the case it's tempting to think you know what peter gave the perfect response he's learned everything he needs to learn he's going to be great from this point on right see if that were the case if peter's perfect response were why jesus gives him this blessing then peter would have lost that status as the rock on which the church is built in the next chapter When he tells Jesus that, you can't die, Jesus, and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, to Peter, same guy, blessing, now Satan. Not to mention the denial that Peter gives of Jesus on the night he is put to death. See, despite all of these missteps and miscalculations, Peter is still given the keys to the kingdom. So then the question is, what is it, if it's not this perfect response? What is it that is faithful and deserving of such a response from Jesus to Peter's words? See, I think it's Peter's willingness to step up, to speak up, even as the prevailing view around him is different than his own experience. Peter doesn't say, Well, I heard a good sermon about this, and so I think, if I'm not mistaken, I learned that you're the Son of God? He doesn't gather information or wait until the moment is right or safe. He doesn't wait until the majority is on his side, like everybody out in the public sphere says, you're the Son of God, so now I can kind of say it's okay to call you the Son of God. He speaks up. See, I think... This gospel teaches us that Jesus is looking for someone to stand up and speak up because that is what the church is supposed to be. As I reflected on this scene this past week, I couldn't get this image from a movie out of my head, from the movie Miracle, because hockey, but the famous moment that made Mike Arruzioni captain of the 1980 Miracle on Ice. U.S. hockey team. So we have a clip about this moment. You keep playing this way, you won't beat anybody who's even good, let alone great. You want to make this team, and you better start playing at a level that's going to force me to keep you here. Again. Hey, where you going? Back on the line. Again. Send them. Nobody's going to get hurt! Everybody get on that line. I kind of think Peter's a little like Mike Ruzioni and us Minnesotans can understand that a little bit, right? See, Herb, in this clip, and in real life, this really happened, was waiting for someone to speak up. You know, Mike was not the best player. He didn't have the most goals. He wasn't the star player on that team. But he stood up, and he took a risk, and he was willing to stand out. He did something. He had no idea it would get them off the hook, so to speak. He just spoke up. And I feel like this is what Peter did. This is why Jesus says, this is what the church is going to look like. The church is going to look like this. This guy who's willing to stand up and speak out. So then it turns to us. See, this you being plural includes those of us hearing this text today. Who do you say that I am, Jesus asks. See, this is not a question of seeing what others think before responding or repeating what you've heard from one of the pastors or preachers we've had with us this summer. This isn't about what the people around you say about Jesus. This is about who you have experienced Jesus to be. See, this question is personal. Who do you say Jesus is? Our responses to this question are telling and they are important because there are a lot of voices out there right now giving an incorrect and incomplete view of who Jesus is. And Jesus needs us To all be a little more like Peter in these days. To stand up and tell others who Jesus really is. There's a hashtag on Twitter that has gained some traction lately. It's called Empty the Pews. Uh, It is heartbreaking to read the list of reasons people are leaving the church right Now, right now, in these days. If you go through and read that hashtag, it's specifically almost to a fault around issues of intolerance, exclusion, and hate disguised as Christianity. The people who are posting, like many of us do as well, do not always have a complete and accurate view of who Jesus is. See, they have a view of Christ that's filtered through humans that have messed it up, or through those who preach a gospel of fear or exclusion that is antithetical to who Jesus was and still is in the world. See, I think this is why at the end of today's text, Jesus tells his disciples not to tell anyone he's the Messiah. It's not because it's not true or that it's some big secret, it's because they just don't get it yet there's obviously work to be done still so as much as it feels like Peter gets the big reward here this isn't about a job well done or points for good behavior this is about the church who we are and what we are called to do and be in the world it's not about getting it right It's being unafraid to stand up and declare who Jesus is and what he's about in this world. See, Peter doesn't get a lot of things right, but this one time, he nails it. And Jesus loves Peter and forgives Peter despite all of the many ways he will continue to mess up, just like I will, just like you will, just like we all continue to mess it up. See, those mistakes we make don't change what Jesus does for us on the cross and rising again. The same is true for us. We mess up just like Peter, but we are loved just like Peter. And on us, God is building his church. See, we get it wrong sometimes, but God continues to work in us and through us in the world. But it cannot happen unless we speak up. It is hard for God to work through us when we sit silently. Martin Luther King Jr. once critiqued the church, saying that all too many have been more cautious than courageous and have remained silent behind the anesthetizing security of stained glass windows. The church is built on the boldness of Peter the very foundation of who we are is standing up and speaking out for those who are on the outside, for those who are excluded, for those who are the target of hate and discrimination and evil in this world. We cannot stay silent. We cannot keep hoping the world won't pick us to answer for Jesus. We need to start being bold, It is too important it matters too much when we experience jesus in the world we need to stand up and point it out we also need to do the opposite when we see the opposite of god and the love in the world we need to be able to stand up and say that there is not jesus that is not god love and kindness And inclusion and peace, that is Jesus in the world. And that's why our own responses to this question this morning, who do you say that I am? That's why our own response is so important, because we need to answer this question out loud to ourselves, each one of us. Even if it doesn't seem like a big deal. When taken one at a time, each single moment of our experience of Jesus in the world might seem kind of small and not that important. But when we put them together, when we are the church on whom God is building, when we put them together, we get this stunning and beautiful and diverse and inclusive and loving picture of God in the world. A God who meets us where we are and calls us beloved, as we'll see around the font again this morning. And then a God who hands us the keys to the kingdom and says, go to it. I'm counting on you. Let's build this thing together.